In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Did you notice the little trick Jesus pulled on his disciples in our gospel passage? When he gets to Caesarea Philippi, he asks them two questions. The first one is, who do people say the Son of Man is? And the disciples are geared up and ready with this one. And I imagine they're actually finally relieved. They've, they've caught a break. He's given them a question they can actually impress him with their answers to. And so they're basically stumbling over each other to give him an answer. Well, there's this one faction that says John the Baptist. It's popular, although the scholarly literature on this perspective is still somewhat new, you see. No, 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 no. Someone said it's Elijah. You should see my cousin's take on it because he's actually it's like really careful and really nuanced. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. I've got some connections in the camp that's saying it's a prophet all the way. Jeremiah, most likely. I've got an article you absolutely have to read. But when he gets to the second question, you can tell it got awkward because he pulls the rug out from under them. He says, who do you say that I am? But you see how almost unfair that is? The question is nakedly, the first question is nakedly theological, almost an abstract conversation point. But the second question is not only much more visceral and personal, but completely changes the meaning of the first question itself. What do people say about the Son of Man? And what do you say about me? If we ever find ourselves forgetting how impressive of a rabbi Jesus was, today's gospel text should make it strikingly clear that he is truly among the greats. You see, this question is complex in many ways, and it's the locus and litmus of how we, the Christian, carry Jesus out to the world. Notice Matthew says that Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, etc., etc. But when he said to them, but who do you say I am? Peter alone is the one who has an answer to that question. And I think we have no shortage of examples of who the world thinks Jesus is around us. And we can easily list the different factions, their ideas, and their merits. And I think like the disciples, there are two quick and easy temptations here. We can either rush into the heady enterprise of sussing out which one best squares with the evidence, and we can also try framing Jesus in those particular images. To be sure, the claim that Jesus is or was a prophet wasn't a wrong answer. It's just not a complete answer or pinning to him the status of an agent of eschatological revelation in the vein of Elijah is certainly a true claim to make, but it's not a full enough explanation of who Jesus is. And likewise, it's so incredibly easy to look at the life and ministry of Jesus and begin finding how well he maps to our ideological or political preferences. Right? If you want to see Jesus as someone inverting the social order and breaking down the fabric of long-held institutions, you have ample source material. If you want to see him as a harbinger of moral authority and abject commitment to the liberty of the human person and profound need for self-reliance and individual responsibility, you can cite verse after verse after verse in defense of that thesis. But both temptations err in the wrong direction because both linger on the abstract possibilities of the first question at the expense of the pressing and visceral consequences of the second. 
See, this is one of the most bizarre characteristics of the Christian faith. The central conviction of our claim is not rooted ultimately in any particular heady idea, abstractions from philosophic principles, or even ecstatic meditation on matters of the, of the divine. Instead, it is focused entirely on the real, incarnate, material person of Jesus Christ, whom everything points back to. It's not even a religion about ideas about Jesus or a set of beliefs about or guided by his teachings, although certainly that forms the Christian expression and the understanding of the Christian faith. But the whole of the Christian faith stems from, is sourced by, and entirely references and points back to, and is led to, the person of Jesus in whom the God responsible for the entire world is singularly made known. Which is, of course, what Jesus is, which is, of course, entirely what Jesus' second question to the disciples is about. In asking them, who do they say he is? He is not asking a new question at all, but instructively reframing the entire foundation of his first question. And it seems fairly merciful, too, when you consider that Matthew doesn't record anyone as having said, you are the son of man, right? Everyone, they have plenty of answers, but nobody, nobody bothers to mention, uh, some people are saying that you're the son of man. But what we're seeing Jesus do is he's pulling them out of the more theoretical question, away from the space of speculation, and asking them to confront the real, tangible, and foundational problem before them. There is no longer room for speculative debate, competing theories, or interesting ideas. The entire question isn't about ideas at all anymore. It's a confrontation of the disciples with the person of Jesus. The fact that we find ourselves in a cultural moment so mired in ideological factionization means we need special grace to not fall into the same pattern the disciples did. Today, we are right between two big conventions in the American political life, where the leading contenders of the biparty political machine are making their cases for why their vision and essential principles are the consistent and necessary ones to save the soul of the nation, right? Uh, and in their appeals to the American Christian, they will, as, as they always have, try to articulate explicitly or not why their values and ethos are the best expressions of Jesus's teachings. The voices coming from our screens really want to bend the ears of the church to their faction by appealing to the convictions of the Christian way of living. But they do so only under the terms of the first question, as a litany of values, practices, and ideas that align with a speculative approach to Jesus. Church, do not fall for it. Instead, we should press even deeper and more diligently into the second question. Who do we know Jesus to be? Because Christ himself makes clear that not only is Peter absolutely correct in his conclusion that Jesus is the promised and expected Messiah who is in his nature the son of the living God, but he also makes clear that this is not a conclusion arrived at, arrived at by effective argumentation or diligent thoughtfulness. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but rather my Father in heaven. 
the path to knowing Christ more deeply is one of revelation is ultimately. We can't hardly begin to understand the question of what would Jesus do until we have confronted and experienced the person of Jesus himself. Anyone who would begin to offer an insistence on how Jesus would respond to a given crisis or social ill who hasn't pressed wholeheartedly into the discovery and revelation of Jesus himself should really be met with some healthy skepticism. Not because they are incapable of being right. They may well be correct about what Jesus, how Jesus himself would respond to that situation, but rather, but because, because the conclusion is based on speculation of what the teachings of Jesus mean and not on the visceral and paradigm-altering experience of who Jesus is. To go down the rabbit trail of the first question of trying to measure all the possible theories and schools of thoughts about Jesus against each other fails to address the more pressing and revelatory beauty of the second question of who we know Jesus to be. It is only once we are anchored in the kinds of preoccupations that inform an answer to Jesus's second question to his disciples that we really have any reference point for the first question. And so we should let ourselves be challenged by this, especially as the tensions of the ideological factions only continue to balloon. We should stop and truly ask ourselves if our core ethos, values, politics, and beliefs are informing how we understand the person of Jesus, or if it's going the other way around like it properly should. The Christian journey is one that takes us deeper into Christ, which is going to invariably lead us into deeper tension with a world sometimes open to the teachings of Jesus so far as they reinforce a particular cultural narrative, but hostile to the person of Jesus as he continues to make known there is no narrative other than the, his own self and his own being. And so let us pray that like he did for Peter, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would make him known to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.